your Wimbledon 2022 preview on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. Rules are brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head over to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone and join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. The doors open. You are listening to your Wimbledon 2022 preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. You can follow me at various places on Twitter. I am the host of the Soccer Gambling Podcast, and therefore you can follow me at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. I'm also the host of BetMUFC for all things Manchester United. The Twitter account for that is at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. I am also the owner of LockBetting.com. The Twitter account for that is at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. So LockBetting.com without the dot. That is my premium pay service that has existed for 108 months, which is nine years. And so far, we have delivered. 108 months of profit. That means for nine years, I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting. It's all tracked and transparent profit. And we are on the verge of delivering month number 109 for June 2022. If you want to be part of the service, just head over to lockbetting.com and sign up. If you want to do your research, which you should, the pin tweet over at lockbetting.com is always the PL from the previous month. So you can see what we did at the month of for the month of May. If you want to see any older months, go down to the bottom of the page. You'll see little tags. They say things like NBA, football, tennis, etc. One of them says PL, and if you click that, you'll see all of the other previous PLs. Look at the type of bets we do, look at the sports we bet on, look at the stakes, and look at the members' comments verifying the fact we have been undefeated for 108, what will soon be 109 months. Now, at the moment, we are running a special. Usually, tennis comes under the all sports package, but at the moment, we are giving away tennis as part of the soccer package. So if you sign up for the soccer package now, you will get all of our futures for Wimbledon. You will also get four days of plays for the month of June. And if you continue that in July, you will still continue to get tennis under the soccer package. This is a one-off offer. I've never done this before, but I really want people to get involved and make money on the tennis. We have just destroyed the Roland Garros, Roland Garros futures for the French Open, and we look to do the same here for Wimbledon. So this is your opportunity to sign up. Head over to lockbetting.com and sign yourself up for the soccer package, and you will get Wimbledon a part of that. You'll get plays every single day, and most importantly, you will get the futures. The futures record over at lockbetting.com has seen us cash 81% of our futures all time. So you really would be silly to miss out on this offer. 
So moving on with your free Wimbledon preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We'll begin by looking at the outright markets here for the men's draw. Now, you'll see there are some absentees. Daniel Medvedev cannot play in this tournament because Russian and Belarusian players are banned. He would have been a force in this tournament. He is the current world number one, and he has a very, very good grass court game that would have threatened the top players, but he's out. Sasha Zerev got himself injured in the French Open semi-final against Rafa Nadal, so he's out as well. So that's two of your key players that have very, very good grass court games now not playing in this tournament. What that means is Novak Djokovic, who was expected to be the favourite anyway, is below even money. So we're not getting plus money here. We're going to have to take 10 to 11 minus 110. There are some specials around offering him at evens, but the price of 10 to 11 minus 110 is more widely available. The second favourite is the guy who lost last year in the final to Novak Djokovic, which may surprise some people here. The winner of the Queen's Club tournament, Matteo Baratini, is available here at 11-2. Rafa Nadal, winner of the Australian Open, winner of the French Open, the guy who comes into this tournament currently holding the title of the GOAT because he has won the most Grand Slams more than any other and uh, he's available 8-1 to to win on the grass as well. If he can do that, I really will recognise him as the GOAT. I actually um, took my son down to Wimbledon today because um, the players are easier to meet on the practice days and he actually met Rafa Nadal. So um, so there, that, that's, an, that's an awkward one because I'm a big, big Novak fan, but my son is now a big, big Rafa fan. And um, I think, as I said, if he does end up winning this tournament, he will have to be considered the, the undisputed go because everything is set up here for for Djokovic to get this done. Carlos Alcaraz is available here at 12 to 1. Obviously, he was a lot shorter on the clay, so um, the bookies do feel that he will be affected here by the grass and won't be as strong. Herbert Husk is available at 12 to 1. Felix Oger Aliasim is available at 14 to 1. Marin Cilic is a big price here at 20 to 1. Given he is, or 28 to 1 in some places actually, uh, given that he has such a strong grass court game. Nick Kyrgios, you never know what you're going to get with him, but when he's on form, he is, in my opinion, one of the top five, six grass court players in the world. He's at 28 to 1. Stefanos Tissipas, the world number six, is all the way out here at 28 to 1, with Andy Murray at 33 to 1, Denis Shapovalov at 66 to 1, and everyone else is bigger than 100 to 1. Now, as I said, when I was running through those outright odds, I really do feel this is Djokovic's tournament to lose. Now, you don't have Zerev there. You don't have Medvedev there. I think they would have been significant threats. I think Zerev is getting closer and closer to winning a Grand Slam. Rafa Nadal has won the first two slams this year, and it's difficult to bet against him. But if you look at the situation... Australia is Djokovic's tournament and Djokovic didn't get to play. And I've no doubt in my mind that had Djokovic got to play this season normally and didn't have it interrupted by the fiasco at the Australian Open, he would have just gone to that tournament and he would have won it like he usually does. In just a few hours, the Australian Open gets underway without the defending champ Novak Djokovic. The tennis great flew out overnight after a final ruling on his deportation. Here's ABC's Britt Clennett. Tonight, Novak Djokovic deported after losing his last-ditch effort to stay and defend his Australian Open title. The Serbian tennis star flying to Dubai just hours after a three-judge panel ruled unanimously to uphold his second visa cancellation. The orders of the court are, one, 
the amended application be dismissed with costs. The nine-time Australian Open champion argued he entered the country on a medical exemption because he had recovered from COVID-19 last month. His visa was cancelled by Australian border officials upon his arrival at the airport. Djokovic later won an appeal, allowing him to stay in the country and practice until the court decided his fate. Djokovic releasing a statement after the ruling saying he was extremely disappointed and adding, I'm uncomfortable that the focus of the past few weeks has been on me and I I hope that we can now all focus on the game and tournament I love. That fiasco was followed up by an interview about vaccination, a controversy about where and where he couldn't play. At one point, he wasn't even allowed to play the French and then he was playing the French Open and uh, he had some preparation tournaments beforehand. He was a little bit rusty at first, but eventually he looked ready by winning the ATP Italian Open, beating Stefanos Tsitsipas in the final. So, he was the rightful favourite to win the French, just narrowly ahead of Carlos Alcaraz. I think there was more debate about why Alcaraz was such a strong second favourite well ahead of Rafa Nadal. But we knew that Rafa Nadal had a foot injury, or at least that's what we thought. That would be the only reason why Rafa would ever be the third favourite for the French. Because if he's fit, and if he's at the same fitness level as Djokovic or anybody else, then Nadal should always be the favourite, which is why we took Djokovic in the futures market. But we took a hedge on Nadal at the same time that would have won us the same amount of money. So we profited from the men's French Open by doing that because you can't write off Rafa Nadal. And at the same time, you can't really trust Rafa Nadal when he says he's significantly injured because he can just inject that shit, come out and just break the pain barrier and play the way he played. I think the main disadvantage was the fact that Djokovic wasn't battle-tested despite the fact he won the Italian Open you could see that all of the key points in that matchup were won by Rafa Nadal. He saved a ridiculous number of break points. He won all of the key battles and mentally he was just too strong for Novak Djokovic. And for me, that was the real final because from that point, it didn't matter about Zverev. It didn't matter about Kaspar Rudd. Once he eliminated Djokovic at the quarterfinal stage and Djokovic was playing well up to that point. Let's not ignore the fact that Djokovic throughout the tournament had shortened as the favourite. Nadal had stayed exactly the same. He was always around about 4-1 to one or 7-2 plus 350 for that tournament. It was only after he beat Novak Djokovic, the win was so significant that he jumped from a 7-2 to two third favourite to a 4-9 to nine, uh, favourite in some places. That's shorter than minus 200 to win the tournament. That's how significant the victory was over Novak Djokovic. So I think it is significant whenever these two can play each other in get the win but they won't meet until the final of this tournament and it would not surprise me whatsoever if they both end up in the final and end up playing each other but I just think that Djokovic will be far more battle tested this time by the time he gets there I feel that Nadal's injury will have some kind of impact if you're looking to get to the final of another slam I feel that Djokovic will lose less sets en route to that and I think by the time it comes down to the final you have a player here who's very very well equipped to win the grass this is Nadal's weakest surface it isn't like the clay and despite the fact he looks massive at eight to one and I would not dissuade you from backing it I certainly wouldn't dissuade you from hedging it against Djokovic if you are going to invest in a significant future but for me without Medvedev there without Zverev there with there being question marks over Nadal's foot, 
with Nadal not really loving the grass. Yes, he's won Wimbledon before. And yes, he's more than capable of doing it again. I'm in no way writing him off. I just think that the price here is correct for Djokovic. I do think that 10 to 11 minus 110 is the right price. And also, when you look at his route through, we're going to look at that a little bit more as we move over to looking at the quarters. But his initial projected route would see him facing Quan in round one. Kokonakis in round two, Kamachevich in round three, Riley Apleka in round four, Carlos Alcaraz, who the bookies don't really fancy on the grass in a potential quarterfinal, Kasper Rudd in a semifinal. I definitely don't think Kasper Rudd will be in a semifinal on grass. And then Rafa Nadal in the final. This is not a very difficult looking route. And as we move across to looking at these quarters, starting with quarter one, which features Novak Djokovic, you will see that he is a significant favourite to win his quarter, which means that he's a significant favourite to make it into the semi-final, where, as I said, I don't think he'll be facing Kasparov. Rudd. I think he'll be facing a lower-ranked opponent than that, and I think it will be an easier matchup than facing uh, Carlos Alcaraz. Djokovic is the 1-3, to three, minus 300 favourite to win this quarter and to reach the semi-final. Carlos Alcaraz is available at 9 to 2. Andy Murray at 9 to 1. It's 28 to 1 on Janik Sinner. It's 40 to 1 on Riley Plecker. It's 50 to 1 on John Isner. And everybody else is bigger than 66 to 1. Now, waiting for him in that potential semi final, the projection there based on rankings would be Casper Rudd. But Casper Rudd is actually the fourth favourite for quarter two. It's Herbert Husk, who has a far better grass court game, who is the favourite here at two to one. Then you have Britain's Cameron Norrie at 17 to two. Gregor Dimitrov is available here at nine to one. Then come then comes Casper Rudd here at 12 to one. Francis Tierfo at 20 to one. Ugo Humber at 20 to one. And Alexander Bublik at 22 to one. Everybody else is 25 to one or bigger. I think Alexander Bublik there is a very, very good outsider. He has an incredible grass court game. I don't feel there are too many significant differences other than service power between the favourite for this market, Herbert Husk, and uh, Alexander Bublik. In fact, I think Bublik has a better overall game than Herbert Husk does, who's just far more suited to faster services like the grass and the hard courts. And he is going to have a run in one of these tournaments. I do actually think he's the rightful favourite here, but this is anyone's guess. And at the end of the day, whoever comes through quarter two will probably have to play Novak Djokovic. And much like everybody he's facing in quarter one, I just don't see a threat here for Novak Djokovic. I just don't see any way he doesn't get to the final, which is why the Nadal-Djokovic final being available here at 5-1 to one really does appeal to me. The top of the market sees Djokovic versus Matteo Berrettini here at 10-3, with Djokovic Nadal at 4-1, to one, Djokovic Felix Alassim at 9-1, to one, Djokovic Stefanos Tsitsipas at 14-1, to one, Djokovic Schill at 16-1, to one, Djokovic Kyrgios at 16-1. to one. In fact, you have to go down to the seventh selection to have any kind of final in the Name the Finals market that doesn't have Novak Djokovic. So I think that he's going to be there in the final 
and it's just a case of who he plays. Now, quarter three is led by Matteo Baratini, who is the favourite to meet Novak Djokovic in the final. He's available at even money to win his quarter. Stefanos Tsitsipas here is available at 9-2. Then you have Nick Kyrgios here at 11-2. Look, on his day, I feel that Nick Kyrgios could beat both Matteo Berrettini and Stefanos Tsitsipas on a grass court. It's just down to whether Kyrgios is fit enough to be playing five-set matches. Now, he's probably going to breeze through his first couple of rounds, but then fatigue is going to kick in and you are looking at a player who doesn't play all year round and doesn't take tennis serious enough, which is why he's ranked where he is and isn't one of the top five players in the world because he does have the talent to be that. The problem with Nick Kyrgios is ultimately Nick Kyrgios. After Kyrgios, you have Denos Shapovalov here at 10 to 1, Alex Demonier at 14 to 1, Roberto Batista Agu at 14 to 1 and Jack Draper at 22 to 1. Everybody else bigger than 25 to 1. For me, this isn't a particularly strong quarter. I think it will come down to whether Nick Kyrgios does have a second week of Wimbledon in his system and whether Matteo Berrettini can build on what he did last year and, of course, coming off the back of winning another Queen's final. I just don't think Stefanos Tsitsipas can come through this quarter, even though he is the highest-ranked player in this quarter, even though he has just won a ATP tournament in Mallorca on the grass. It's just something about Stefanos Tsitsipas at Wimbledon that doesn't work for me, and I still think that he'll fall short here in this quarter once again. Quarter four sees Rafa Nadal as the five to four favourite. Now, that's not as short as I was expecting. Felix Aliasim at seven to two. Marion Cilic, who, of course, is a strong grass court and hard court player at five to one. Taylor Fritz of the USA just coming off the back of winning Eastbourne. He's at 10 to one. Dan Evans of the UK at 16 to one. Maxime Cressy, who got all the way to the final at Eastbourne. He's at 22 to one. He's a big serving American who likes the grass. Then we have Holger Rune, who had a good run at the French Open at 28 to 1 and everybody else is bigger than 33 to 1. I think Novak wins this quarter. I think the foot injury, once again, is being made out to be worse than it is. We've just seen this guy come through with so-called injuries and win the Australian Open, which is not his favourite surface. And of course, deliver once again at the French and uh, winning every single key point, as we mentioned, against Novak Djokovic, who's probably one of the most mentally strong players in the history of tennis. And if you've managed to outbattle him, outgun him, outthink him, outman him and get through in the French Open quarterfinal, then I don't think that foot is as bad as people are making out. And I don't care if it's grass. This guy has reached a new mental level this season to go ahead of Federer and to go ahead of Djokovic at this stage of your career. I think people obviously always expect Rafa to be a a threat at the French Open at Roland Garros, but not what he did at the Australian Open. Yes, I understand Novak Djokovic wasn't there, but you still had to get past the player like Daniel Medvedev. And uh, I just feel that Nadal's mental strength is at a different level right now. And this is a guy who's going to be very, very difficult to beat. And I can only see one man beating him. Now, I understand that this podcast is coming across very, very chalky. Let's take Nadal to reach the final. Let's take Djokovic to reach the final. Let's take the two most well-known players, two people are in the conversation for being the greatest of all time. Let's not look outside the box at all because... 
we can't see past the simple fact that Nadal and Djokovic will meet once again in the final. But I've laid out all of my reasoning here and it's difficult to see past it. Even when you're looking at a potential semi-final between Matteo Berrettini and Rafa Nadal and the bookies are telling me that Berrettini is going to be the favourite to, to reach that final. Is he going to be the favourite when they play in an actual match? If Berrettini gets all the way to the semi-final and he's facing Rafa Nadal and Rafa Nadal has managed to negotiate round one, round two, round three, round four, is he going to be the favourite when it comes to playing against Rafa Nadal in a one-on-one matchup when Nadal has proven that his injury isn't as bad as it is and he can still get it done on a grass court at his age? I just feel that Rafa Nadal is going to be there. I don't care if Matteo Berrettini won Queens. I don't care that Berrettini got to the final last year. I think in a one-on-one matchup, when you're looking at the the mental strength of the two players and the absolute zone that Rafa is in at the moment, I find it very, very difficult to say that Matteo Berrettini is a justified second favourite for this tournament when Rafa Nadal has already won two Grand Slams this year, including winning one on the Aussie Open. Because let's not forget... He doesn't have to play Novak Djokovic to the final. So you're looking at all of these other players who were present at the Australian Open and nobody could stop Rafa Nadal from winning that tournament. So as much as I'm not a Rafa fan, even though my my son loves him after meeting him today, and I am a strong, strong Djokovic fan, I can't argue against Rafa Nadal making this final. But what I will say is I strongly fancy Novak to, to get it done this time. I think this is his surface. I think this is his moment. I don't think he wants to slip three Grand Slams behind Nadal because then we do really have a serious problem because I don't know at 35 years of age if Novak Djokovic is going to win another three Grand Slams because at some point... Zerev and Tsitsipas and, and Alcaraz are going to step up to the table. It can't just continue to be Nadal and Federer and Djokovic over and over again. And I know Nadal has pulled off a, a miracle this time, but miracles don't just happen just like that. We're not going to see a miracle from Nadal this year where he, he wins two slams or maybe even three slams. You can't write him off from winning the US Open because Djokovic won't be playing in it. So it's hard to argue that Rafa Nadal won't be the favourite for the US Open as well, even though Daniel Medvedev Dev will be allowed to to play in that tournament. The world number one is allowed to play in the US Open. But every time Nadal plays Medvedev, Nadal seems to win. So this is a must win tournament for Novak Djokovic. He cannot afford to come up short here. I understand that puts extra pressure on him. And maybe that's not what you want when you're laying a bet. But this guy thrives under the pressure. As I said, at the French Open, I don't feel he was mentally prepared for that war, whereas Rafa had just negotiated one Grand Slam and had been playing all year. And I still feel that Novak was mentally scarred from what happened in Australia. But that excuse won't fly now. This is his surface. This is his time. He's had the experience at the French Open. He fell short against Rafa Nadal. He should not be losing to Rafa Nadal here on a grass court. And I think that Novak Djokovic will end up winning this tournament and um, closing the gap on Rafa Nadal to one once again in the all-time Grand Slam list. When you're looking for for other players, when you're looking for things like, like potential dark horses, the only one that really stands out for me is Taylor Fritz. Now, this is because... I don't feel that Nick Kyrgios will be fit enough 
to make an impact in his quarter of the draw. Can he beat Matteo Berrettini on his day? Yes, he can. Can he beat Matteo Berrettini by the time they meet in the tournament? No, I don't think he'd be able to. Kyrgios withdrew from Mallorca, citing abdominal issues and uh, laboured through a long round one match against Laszlo Dejure. So he lacks the, the physical preparation or the mental fortitude, I think, to win a quarter and reach a semi-final of a Grand Slam. He does have the game to do it, but I think Taylor Fritz, he's proven a lot more to me. Coming back and winning Eastbourne after a pretty mediocre few months, I think Taylor Fritz is ready to, to go long here in this tournament. He certainly has the game to, and he's also the type of player who I think could trouble Rafa Nadal. Now, if he's serving lights out, that's the type of player that Rafa Nadal has struggled against. When Rafa Nadal isn't serving his best himself and he's coming up against a player who's absolutely serving lights out against him, that could be the way that Rafa Nadal ends up exiting this tournament. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. I think Rafa Nadal will find a way to beat everybody in his quarter. I think he'll be able to beat whoever comes through quarter three. And I do think he'll end up in the final. But Taylor Fritz at 10 to 1 is a very, very good hedge against Rafa Nadal if you are going to bet on him to win quarter four. And that's exactly what I am going to do because Rafa Nadal to win quarter four is your lock here for this show. I read the price out at five to four. You can shop around and get as big as seven to five. In fact, as I'm looking around, 13 to 10 is quite widely available. So plus 130 is what we're going to quote here. I think that's a big price for Rafa Nadal to reach the semi-final of Wimbledon. As I said, we've looked at all of the variables here. He doesn't love the grass. He could potentially be injured, but at the same time, He has won on grass before. He has won this tournament. He did win the Australian Open. He did win the French. This guy is just a serial winner. And when it comes down to mental strength, I don't know if anybody here can match Rafa Nadal. I looked at Taylor Fritz as a potential hedge. I would take that hedge because if he is serving lights out, he can give him a game. I think you could say the same about a few players here. Uh, Maxine Cressy, um, Marion Cilic. These are the type of players that I think could give Nadal some problems. It's also worth noting that Felix Aguirre Alassim took him to five sets at the French Open and he's in this quarter as well. But I do think some of that was about Nadal not wanting to go through those gears, looking ahead to the Djokovic match. And when he needed to up the tempo, he managed to up the tempo and get himself out of that match. So ultimately, I do think Nadal wins here. He hasn't won Wimbledon since 2010. He has two Wimbledon crowns, 2008, 2010. So he hasn't won here for 12 years. But I think an important statistic to look at here is that he has, he has had 91 matches on grass and has won 71 of those for a 78% win rate. And he is a player who's coming off two Grand Slams as well. So for his campaign to end in the first week with a whimper, I just don't see it happening. I think Nadal will navigate his way to the second week. And when it comes down to the second week, I find it difficult to see anybody stocking, stopping him here in this quarter. You could have a potential hedge on the likes of a Cressy or a Fritz that you may want to look at when it comes about. But for me... 
I ultimately think that Nadal will end up facing Novak Djokovic in the final with Djokovic winning Wimbledon and getting himself back on track in what is going to be a pretty horrible year overall for Djokovic, a year to forget. Didn't play the Australian Open, fell short in the French. If he does win Wimbledon, he isn't going to get any ranking points for it. In fact, he's going to lose ranking points because last year's Wimbledon win is going to come off the total. Then he's not going to be able to go and play in the USA because they're still holding people to ridiculous vaccination rules. So overall, when you look at his overall career, this is probably going to be a year he's going to want to forget, especially when you look at last year where he won three slams and lost in the US Open final and the Olympic final in what would have been the most incredible year a player's ever had in the history of men's tennis. And to go from that to this and have a year that's been disrupted by what happened in Australia and um, losing at the French and, and potentially winning Wimbledon with no ranking points or not winning Wimbledon at all and, and facing the, the the prospect of Rafa Nadal going three slams ahead of you with Nadal at least being my favourite to win in the USA as well. So lots and lots here riding on this tournament for Novak Djokovic. He will want to salvage his year. I think he finds a way. This is a player who's always delivered when his back's been up against the wall. And I think he'll manage to to find a way to win it again. I just think if you're looking at prices, if you're looking at Novak Djokovic to win a whole tournament, being priced up at 10 to 11 minus 110, and you're telling me that Rafa Nadal, who's won two slams this year already, with a 78% win rate on grass, which is supposed to be his weakest surface, just needs to navigate his way through to a, a Wimbledon semi-final. And you're looking at the players in this quarter and you're offering me the price of 13 to 10 plus 130. That's why I've taken this as the lock on the show because I certainly think there is a little bit more value in that selection on Rafa Nadal rather than taking the more chalky selection on uh, Novak Djokovic to deliver another Wimbledon crown here from this tournament. Um, we don't look at the, the women's futures here on these shows. There are women's futures out over at lockbetting.com. There are also futures picks for the quarters. And we are also about to release our plays for day one. So if you want to get all of that, you can currently get it for the price of a soccer package. Just head over to lockbetting.com and purchase yourself the appropriate soccer package. Now, also one thing I didn't mention at the top of the show, if you purchase that soccer package for this month, you'll get the futures and four days of Wimbledon. If you continue that in July, you'll also continue to get Wimbledon and you'll get all of my soccer futures for the next season. We will start releasing those in the month of July, around about the same time we start releasing the futures podcasts over on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So this is a one-off offer. We've never done it before. We've never offered this before. So this is a year to get on board, make the most of it. Head over to lockbetting.com, get yourself a soccer package and get yourself tennis for half the price of what it usually should be. That's it for me and this Wimbledon preview. Good luck with all your bets as always and thanks for listening.